Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. So Jewish Mardi Gras will be happening in three days, only it won't be taking place on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Jewish Mardi Gras takes place wherever Jews can celebrate the holiday of Purim, which officially begins on Monday evening. Purim is remembered for homentashen, carnivals, costumes, Purim spiels, Megillah readings. In Israel, there's even a municipal parade like a Mardi Gras float with marching klezmer bands. One troubling customary observance I was called about today by a member, which we and most Orthodox Jews have thankfully dropped, is the traditional call for Jews to drink alcohol until they can no longer distinguish between the Hebrew words meaning blessed be Mordechai and cursed be Haman. This tradition is known as adlo yada, meaning until one does not know the difference. Now, a person would have to be pretty smashed not to know or hear the difference between blessed be Mordecai and cursed be Haman. The only positive outcome of this overindulgence is that before the Jew was allowed to begin his or her Purim drinking, he had to remember the disadvantaged and poor with gifts. One of my rabbinical school professors pointed out that this sequence of giving tzedakah before getting hammered is reminiscent of the sign at a bar which reads, if you are drinking to forget, please pay in advance. (laughs) Seriously, as a a former chaplain, that's what I did uh, on the side for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, this tradition of Adlo Yada bothers me, Um, and apparently it bothered some of the earlier rabbis too, in the practice of drinking excessively on Purim, while still common in some circles, is fortunately becoming less and less common. On Purim, we're supposed to make fun of everything. In one sentence, Purim teaches that religion without humor is blasphemy. Religion without humor is not healthy. Our tradition points out that even God must have a sense of humor. Just look at us. The Talmud teaches further that one of the prime attributes separating humans from all other creatures is the sense of humor with which we have all been endowed in differing degrees. The Talmud's right. I mean, after all, when was the last time you saw a dog or cat laughing in hysterics all by itself in a corner after telling or hearing a joke in dog talk. I love my family's dogs, but dogs can't do that. Humans can. What a gift. 
What a release to raise laughter to a religious category. And the observance of Purim also gives us tremendous insight into the Jewish mind. The ability to accept life with a sense of humor is a key ingredient to healthy living. And the ability to accept life with a sense of humor has also been a key ingredient to the survival of the Jewish people, which is what Purim discusses. Another factor which has helped our people, heritage, and faith survive is its sense of balance, even at seemingly out-of-control times like Purim. So just to review, the four principal mitzvot, mitzvahs, associated with Purim reflect this balance. And they're derived from chapter 9 in the book of Esther. Here are the big four. Shmiat Megillah, the obligation to hear the Megillah, which you can do in the Danziger Chapel, 6.30 on Monday. Seudah, which is the mitzvah of having a special Purim feast. And the only rabbi who does stand-up comedy intentionally is Rabbi Michael Danziger. It takes a minute to get that. A lot of people laugh at rabbis, but they didn't mean it. Uh, we are going to have a seudah, a Purim feast with dinner and laughter in the Edelson Wax Hall at 7 o'clock. So that's mitzvah number two. But it doesn't stop there. To these two party-filled, self-indulgent mitzvot is the balance of two more. First, the mitzvah of sending gifts of food to our friends, known as Mishloach Manot. And the second is the mitzvah of giving gifts to the poor over and above whatever tzedakah we already give. It's called Matanot Le'evyonim. It's as if Jewish tradition is saying an essential part of rejoicing from a Jewish lens is the opportunity to give to one another. The effects of tzedakah and deeds of loving kindness last longer than the momentary high of ringing a grogger. Giving to others goes hand in hand with enjoying oneself at Purim time. Doing for others is a corrective to excessive self-indulgence since the focus when you help someone is outward rather than solely on oneself. And for centuries, our Jewish ancestors look forward to the mythic story of Esther and Haman, the story of rescue over destruction, to give our people the reassurance and hope that Jewish persecution and oppression would someday end. They hoped and prayed that the Haman they faced, not the one in the Bible, but the Haman they faced, whether in Russia or Iran or Germany, would be defeated. Jews in oppressed lands read the poem story this way. How should we, how shall we interpret this story in cozy, comfortable Jewish America? I would suggest that beyond anti-Semitism and external threats facing American Jewry, those threats are real. I discussed them earlier today, but perhaps beyond the external threats, perhaps the greatest threat to Jewish survival 
is our own abdication of Jewish responsibility. The absence of a critical mass of Jews of all persuasions who demonstrate by the way they live that they give a darn about Jewish values and our Jewish future. In the Jewish world outside the synagogue, much time is spent on raising money, less time is spent on raising Jews. We raise hundreds of millions of dollars nationally, which is fantastic, but we don't necessarily practice living Judaism, and then we wonder, after raising more, why fewer and fewer people, especially under 50, care about being Jewish. Little wonder. So Purim, the holiday which celebrates Jewish survival, reminds us that Jewish survival is not a given. We Jews are a very tiny people. Memphis, 8,000 Jews. Our survival hinges on responsible Jewish living, as well as responsible giving. The Haman threat to the physical survival of the Jewish people is not a modern-day Haman, repugnant as his divisive and false message may be. Rather, perhaps, I'm just throwing it out there, perhaps the greatest threat to Jewish survival may be a culture which says, I'm not responsible for the future and vitality of Judaism. My parents and grandparents are. Someone, somebody else is. So Purim, in a serious vein, is more than a giddy outburst of energy and excess. It raises serious questions, I think, about responsibility, and it contains lessons to think about long after this Jewish Mardi Gras affair ends with our congregational Sunday and Monday festivities. The major messages this so-called minor holiday teaches are important, lightening up from time to time, taking what we do seriously, but not taking ourselves too seriously. Responsibility, moderation, self-control, caring about our Jewish future in the spirit of Esther and Mordecai are vitally important and keys to living a purposeful life, both Jewishly and humanly. In closing, the lessons of Purim are more lasting than the brief celebration we're gonna give it. Indeed, the lessons of Purim can inspire us all year long if we take them to heart. Amen.